This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight, we are learning Le'ilu Nishmat, Yechezkel ben Abraham, and for Moshe Shlomo ben Oasa to have a complete Lachzo Betshuva, for, um, and for whoever else needs, which we all know, the entire class all does, uh, you know, could benefit from getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch So tonight, we're going to be discussing the idea behind uh, dressing up on Purim. Now... We're going to be pulling in from a lot of different sources, um, and Be'ezad Hashem is going to be beautiful, really, really something, something beautiful, but it's something that you have to stay with me. You have to, like, really stick with it. Um, I probably should have told you guys it would be really beneficial to take, like, notes on this type of, uh, this type of class. I didn't have a chance to pres- put this into a, some sort of, like, uh, Excel thing that I've, I've done it before, but it's something that, that there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so try to stick with me. This is a, this is a heavy one. So when we look at the concept of dressing up, in general, throughout history, throughout the Jewish history, there's quite a few instances that we have people go and they dress up. And I'll give you a few of them. We'll go through, uh, you know, a couple of them. But there's there's more than what I'm telling you. First and foremost, Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon and Chava, they were, they were, when they were created, they didn't wear any clothes. Only after the sin of the Etzadah did they need to go and, uh, and, and be dressed because they were ashamed that they were naked. Then you have Nimrod. Nimrod dressed up in a very, very special type of article of clothing. It's a type of article of clothing that when he would dress up in this, then he would have control and power over all the animals. Then you have Esav. Esav, he dressed up, he actually took Nimrod's clothing and he dressed up in this type of clothing. Esav also dressed up in a different fashion, is that Esav dressed up to pretend to be a tzaddik. And we'll soon see, you know, how he did that. Yaakov then went, and he dressed up like Esav, to get the blessings. Leah went, and she dressed up like Rachel, to get married to Yaakov, who thought it was Rachel. Yosef went and dressed up in something called the Ksonis Passen. The, the article of clothing that his father, you know, made for him. Yosef, in turn, gave five articles of clothing to Binyamin when he, Binyamin came in to, uh, to Egypt to Mitzrayim. Achashverosh, let's get it more relevant, Achashverosh went and he dressed up in a coin gadol, uh, you know, the, the articles of the coin gadol. And we know Mordechai, he went in Yatza Mifnea Melech Belvush Malchut. He came out dressed in royal clothing. And we also know the body is also a, a sort of a dressing over the soul. So there's a lot of concept of dressing up uh, dressing up might not be, you know, costumes. All these things. The, the concept is you're 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 covering something or you're uncovering something. So now, when we try to figure out why do we dress up, the concept of a mask, the concept of of a costume is you hide your identity, you hide who you are, and by hiding who you are, you don't know who that person is. Many times in life, we go and we judge people based on how they look, based on what they do. And we even judge ourselves in that same manner. You have uh, Rabbi Oman gives us a, gives a, gives this example. There was once a simple person that went and he was looking for a place to sleep. So he went into an inn and the inn told her, the innkeeper told him, there's nothing to do over here. The place is booked solid. We have the general and the army staying over here. You can't come in. There's no room. And the guy's pleading is like, please put me in the boiler. Put me somewhere. I just need a place to sleep. So the innkeeper goes and says, listen, the general is out for tonight. I know he's not going to come back. I'll tell you what. I'll sell you, double book, right? Airlines. Okay, I'll sell you the room, but on the condition that, you, first of all, you can't touch anything, and when you wake up in the morning, you have to wake up before the sun comes up, and you got to go out. And the guy said, fine, this is all I have, let's do it. So he goes to sleep, he gets a knock, wake up call, he gets a knock on the door, the innkeeper says, listen, the sunrise is coming up soon, you got to get out. He goes, he quickly gets dressed, and he leaves. As he's leaving, he looks into the mirror, and he accidentally, what he did was, instead of taking his clothes, he took the general's clothes. 
And he looks in the mirror and he just like freezes. Then he stops for a second and he's like, the foolish innkeeper. He woke up the general. He didn't wake up the right person. <laughs> and we go and we judge ourselves by the way that we look. You have people that have no money, but they dress like they have a lot of money. And they act all of a sudden like they have a lot of money. And then we have somebody that comes over to you that maybe doesn't look like they're presenting with dignity, honor, and respect or they, you know, that you think that a human being should be. And you treat them like that because you judge them either... Either they're a general or they're, you know, someone who has nothing. But it doesn't matter. We judge people based on what they are and how they look and what they do. Comes Purim. Purim is the concept of unity, of achtut. We go and we dress up. Says, so, oh, what's the matter? How we look? What we do? And nothing matters. So we dress up. You don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. We're all coming here. It brings a sort of achtut. It brings a sort of, a uh, certain, uh, unity. Number two. There was something very different about the miracle of Purim than the miracle of all the other holidays. You have the miracle of Pesach, you have the miracle of Hanukkah. In fact, every other holiday has miraculous stuff happening. You have the ten plagues, you had the Hashemunim. You had so many stuff that are happening that are all like amazing. You look at the story of Purim, it's not something that was like, you know, like on the ordinary. So, you know, you had Vashti. So, she was a mean woman. She was a terrible wife. It was only a matter of time before she was going to die. Right? I mean, you know, she lived in Persia. You know, like, it's only a matter of time before that something's going to happen. Any Persian people here know what I'm talking about? There we go. All right. (laughs) So, um, no, because they have great relationships and they understand, whatever, okay, fine. Um, I think you misunderstood why. Okay, never mind. So now, then you have Achashverosh. So you have Achashverosh that needs a new wife. So who is he going to find? So he's... Esther was a very beautiful woman. It's only a matter of, you know, time. You know, it finds the most beautiful woman. She was very beautiful. So they went together. Then you have Haman, the evil villain, you know, of this story. You know, so, okay, so he had an issue with the Jews and he hated the Jews. Okay, what, he's new to the story. Every generation, every generation they come and they try to kill us. So you have Haman in the story. Then you have Mordechai who was appointed second to the king. He knew 70 languages. He saved the king's life. It was only a matter of time before he gets appointed to, you know, to the, you know, to the high power. So when you look at the story of Plim, what miracle was there? Everything, in fact, that's why the, the entire story of Purim, there's no mention of God's name. Because everything looked as if it was through nature. But only after the fact, only after, in hindsight, you look back and be like, wow, you know, the story of Purim, there's so many concepts over here that only worked out with like a, a divine manipulation. That God orchestrated all these things. And that's why the Gemara Cholin, page 139b, goes and says, where do we know Purim in the Torah? And it brings up Pasuk in Tvarim, chapter 31, verse 18. I'm going to hide my face. I'm, why, why is this in reference to Purim? Because Purim is a time where God hid his face. You realize Purim came after the destruction of the first temple. Before the destruction of the first temple, the Jews were used to miracles. Miracles was like commonplace. This is the first holiday where like God was hidden. I mean, God was there, but God was hidden. You couldn't see him, you know, like floating down, you know, like with angels, you know, fighting your battles and splitting seas and doing who knows what. God was hidden through, through the, through the, through disguise of nature. So we see over here two concepts over here. Number one is unity. Number one is that God is hidden. Okay. So now fasten your seatbelts because we're about to get I'm going to try. When I get excited, I am going to speak fast. So if I speak too fast, stop me. Because I'm going to get excited. The Basuk in Esther, chapter 8, verse 15. It says, Mordechai went out from the king's palace dressed in royalty. It says the Megillah on page 16a. That when Yosef HaTzadik was in Mitzrayim, when he was in Egypt, he saw with Ruach HaKodesh, he saw with divine inspiration, he saw that out of Binyamin is going to come out, out of Binyamin is going to come out somebody by the name of Mordechai, who comes from the tribe of Binyamin, and he is going to go out of the king's gate with 
five articles of clothing. This is referring reference to Mordechai. So what did Yosef do? Yosef went and he gave Binyamin five articles of clothing corresponding to what's going to future happen in the future. The Gemara asks a question on this. It says, I don't understand. Yosef, out of all people, should know. You're treating one brother more than other brothers. What happened in this story? You had all the other brothers were sitting around the table. Each brother got one article of clothing. Benjamin got five articles of clothing. Yosef says, the, the, you know, the Tanim Da'amari from the Gemara, what are you doing? He says, you know what happens when, one, when you treat one child with more, you know, uh, attention than all the other ones. You, you were... You were sold because of that for crying out loud. So why is Yosef going and he wants to go, okay, so we're saying that he wants to go and he wants to show in the future Mordechai is going to come after him. Fine, give it to him in private. You have to give it in front of everybody showing. Everybody be like, hey, one, 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 and five. Yeah. He's got five. What are you going to do about it? You know, like, why does Yosef have to do that? So that's question number one. Question number two. The Basuk and Belashi, chapter 43, verse 31, says that the way that Yosef did is that he, he seated everybody according to the age level. Uven, Shimon, Levi, he knew everybody's age, obviously, because they were his brothers, and he set them all according to their, to their age. And then what happened? Then they went, it says, and they ate and they drank. Mishtaku, they, they, they drank wine together. And Rashi says over here, from the day that they sold Yosef, they did not touch wine. They did not drink wine. Until that day, they drank. Why all of a sudden, on this day, when Yosef is sitting around with them, they didn't know that it was Yosef at this time, and he's giving five articles of clothing to Benjamin, and all of a sudden they decide to drink. So let's look at these questions. Says the Shvile Pinchas, a Pinchas reader. He said that when the, the Midrash, we all know that comes, that says that there are four exiles in the Jewish nation. There's four exiles, right? There's Babylon, there's Persia, there's Greek, and there's Rome. In Hebrew, it's Bavel, it's Madai, it's Yavan and it's Edom. Those are the, free, the, the four, uh, the four um, exiles. Now, ask the Arizal, how come Chazal, the Chachamim, the sages, only put these four? What about the, what about the exile of Egypt? Exile of Egypt was much worse than all the other exiles. He, they should have put five. They should have put, put the, the four exiles and the exile of Egypt. Says the Arizal that the exile of Egypt was a conglomeration. It was a collection of all four exiles together. Really, all four of them are corresponding to the one exile of Egypt. And this is why the Chida goes and says in the first Pasuk in Shemot, it says, Ve'elu Shemot b'nei Israel. These are the names of the people of the, the Jewish nation. Habayim l'mitzayma. Habayim that are coming is Bet Aleph Yud Mem. Bet is for Bavel, the first exile. You have Aleph for Edom. You have Yud for Yavan and Mem for Madai. You have the four exiles, meaning that when the Jewish nation is coming down to Egypt, the first Pasuk in Exodus, the first Pasuk in Shemot, what is it saying? Ve'elu Shemot b'nei Israel Shabayim. What is Habayim? All four exiles are right now coming into Egypt. All four exiles. This is why it makes more sense. Why is there four types of redemptions that we know that we, when we read the Haggadah, there's four expressions of Geulah. God took us out of one Egypt. It should be just, I took you out. Why the four? Why do we drink four glasses of wine? The answer is because there are four exiles and we're coming out of the four exiles when we came out of Egypt. It says that Moabit Bell, something very, very beautifully. Listen to this. How many times did the 12 tribes go down to Egypt? And how many times did they leave Egypt? The answer is four times. They went in four times and they left four times. How is it? Let's count them. The first one is when Yaakov goes to the 12 tribes. and he's to, Well, not the 12 tribes, because Yosef wasn't there. He goes to all the Shvatim except for Yosef and Benjamin. He says, why are you sitting over here? Go down to Egypt. There's a famine. Go buy food so that we, you know, that we're able to eat. So this is time number one that they go down to Egypt. Now when they go, they go down to Egypt, 
they're coming in over here, and all of a sudden they meet Yosef. Yosef doesn't tell them who you are. And he starts to interrogate them. What, you have another brother? Go back and bring your other brother if you want food. So they leave Egypt for the first time to bring Benjamin, who didn't come with them on the first time. So they came once so far, and they left once. Then they come back with Benjamin, and then one, then Yosef reveals for that, to them during their stay in this time. And then they go back to bring Yaakov back to, uh, you know, back to, to Egypt with, with all the brothers. That is time number two where they entered and they left. Time number three is now the entire, Yaakov and his entire, the 70 people, they went down to Egypt to go and greet them with Yosef. So this is the third time that they enter. Then they leave for a third time after Yaakov passed away. To go and bury Yaakov in Ma'at HaMachpelah, so they leave for the third time. Then they come back for a fourth time to go and to finish the exile, and then they leave by, by the exodus, they leave for the fourth and final time. Says that moment, Bell, something beautifully. He says, they went down to Egypt four times and they left four times. This is ma'aseh avot siman lebanim. This is a sign for the fathers. What the fathers do is a, is a, is a, that has a power that pushes that into the, into the children. Now, what is the four exile and what's the order of the four exile? So the first exile started off with Babylon. That was when the first Bet HaMikdash was destroyed. The second exile was Madai, Palace of Madai. That's the story of Estelle, the story of Purim. That's the second exile. Then you have Greek is the third and Adam is the fourth. Let's look of when Binyamin came down. Binyamin came down something very beautifully. Binyamin came down when? The second exile. The exile of what? The exile of Purim. The story of Purim. Where does Mordechai come from? Mordechai comes from Binyamin. This is where Binyamin comes in. We know over here in Estel chapter 2 verse 5. It says, He comes from the tribe of Yemini Binyamin. That's where he comes from. So Yosef was clearly planning this. He says, okay, this is time number one you came in. Now you're going to go back. You're going to bring Binyamin over here. Why do we need Binyamin over here? Because out of Binyamin, they need him for the second exile. That's the second time you enter. Second time you enter, that's corresponding to what? To the, to the exile of Persia. The exile of Persia, that's what we need Binyamin. So, and that's why he gives them specifically five sets of clothing. When? During the second exile. Because that's when the second exile is when Mordechai is going to go out out of, uh, out of the palace with five articles of clothing. Now we can understand why all of a sudden they decide to drink. For so many years they didn't drink. What do we know on Purim? The Gemara tells us in Megillah, page 7b, Rav, what does Rav say? You have to drink until you don't know between blessed is Haman and cursed is Mordechai. There's a mitzvah to drink on Purim. So they're coming over here, the second exile. The second exile is coming to Purim. Well, they're not going to drink on Purim. They have to drink on Purim. So they come, and this is the first time that they go and they decide to drink. But now, so far so good? That was really fast. That was really fast? I thought I was so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for stopping me then. The four exile happened after Egypt. Egypt doesn't count. Egypt is a conglomerate of all the other exiles. So first it was Egypt. Yeah, first was Egypt, yeah. then Babylon, yeah. then Persia, then Greek, and then Rome. Okay, so so do I? Do you want me to like do a, a quick recap? Okay, the the Jewish the the tribes right the twelve Shvatim they went in and out of Egypt four times, corresponding to the four exiles. They went into one exile, they got saved by going out. The first exile is Babylon. That's when they well, went in, whatever, we're not going to get into that. The second exile, which is the second exile, is the Persian exile, which is the story of the Purim, is when they come in. Who did they come in with? They came in with Binyamin. Why did they come in specifically with Binyamin? Who, where does Mordechai come from? Mordechai comes 
from Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin. What did, what did Yosef give him on the second entrance, the second time, the, the second exile? He gave him five articles of clothing only to Benjamin. Why? Because out of Benjamin comes Mordechai, and from Mordechai is going to get five articles of clothing. Yosef is going to say, see, out of you is going to come five articles of clothing. This is the siman that I'm going to give you right now. I'm going to give you this five articles of clothing. And then we said that why is it that the, the tribes did not, the Shvatim did not go and did not drink wine only until now because now it was Purim and now it was a time that they were needed to drink because that's corresponding to the second, uh, to the second Galut, second exile. Okay. So now the question is why was Yosef feel so, which this is not even the introduction by the way. So if, if something, yeah, oh, it's going to get, oof. So stay with me. So now. Wait, so they drink before the story of Purim actually happened? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now. The question is, why is Yosef if so, feel so responsible that he has to orchestrate this entire thing? The Midrash and Esther Abba goes and says that Haman's decree was aimed at the sin of atoning for the sale of Yosef. That's what, why is it? What, what did the Midrash goes? The Midrash goes and says that the king and Haman sat down to do what? They sat down to drink. And they started discussing what to do with the Jewish people. According to the Midrash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells the tribe that he will do to them just like they did to Yosef. They sat and down to eat and drink discussing the sale of Yosef. So to now, Haman and Mordechai is going to go and sit down to eat and drink and to discuss what to do with the Jewish people. The entire concept of the sale of Yosef is not coming back in the story of Purim. The Chida writes, this is why the miracle of Purim is came by who? By Mordechai and Esther. Where did Mordechai and Esther come from? Benjamin. Benjamin was not part of the sale of Yosef. Benjamin never sold Yosef, so he had to be part of it over here. Says the Meshachachma. There's something beautiful in the Parashat HaChamot. The sin of Mechirat Yosef, the sale of Yosef, is because of a lack of unity. The brothers had a lack of unity. And what does it say in the Pasuk in Shemot, chapter 34, verse 7? Poket avon avot albanim. The children can get punished on the sins of the parents. But when does this hold true? That's only if the children follow the sin of the parents. If a father is doing a sin and the son does a sin, then the son can get punished also for the father. But if the father did the sin and the son doesn't go in the ways of the father and he doesn't do the sin, then he doesn't get punished for them. So now, let's look what's happening in the story of Purim. It says in Esther chapter 3 verse 8, Vayomer Haman lemelech hachashverosh, Haman said to the hachashverosh, Yeshno am echad mufuzar mufurad meben amim. There's one nation. What type of nation over here? This is a nation that is lacking achtut. They're lacking something. They're am echad, they're one nation, but mufurad mufuzar. They're all spread out to the entire, the entire, uh, you know, the entire world over here. They don't have the achtut going on over here. What was the problem with the sale of Yosef? There was no achtut, there was no unity. So Haman is invoking the sin of the sale of Yosef. We got them. Here's where we could get them. Now, this is why Esther goes and counteracts that in Pasuk 4, verse 15. Lech et kol Go and gather all the Jewish nations. What does it mean, go and gather? Go and combine them, be united as one. Once you have, this is the rationale, Mishlach Manot. Why do we give Mishlach Manot? We try to unite everybody. This is the concept over here. We try to, you know, go back to where we have that unity. Says the Shvile Pinchas, Yosef HaTzadik, with his extreme humility, he blamed himself and he accepted responsibility for himself that his brothers sold him as a slave. He said, maybe if I wouldn't have told about them to my father, then they wouldn't have sold me. So now he feels through Ruach HaKadosh, he sees how he could go and he could try to fix it that in the future it's not, they're going to be able to overcome this, the, this, uh, this desire, this sin. So what happened? He asked him to bring back Binyamin. Why? Binyamin, says this Forno and Pashas Miketz. Yosef caved Binyamin five times. What is he doing in front of all the brothers? Didn't he learn the lesson of jealousy? What happens? So says the Gemara Yuma, page 86b. How do you know that someone does tshuva when they're in the same situation, with the same test and they overcome it? That's how you know you do tshuva. 
Says Yosef, he says, now let's see if my brothers did tshuva. He said, they had a sin of jealousy, so what am I going to do? I have to go and make it, you know, work for it, help them fit, overcome it. So he goes, don't try this at home. He goes and he arranges for the entire brothers to sit around. And he gives one brother five times more than all the other brothers. And then he goes and he sees what's going to happen. And what happened? They didn't get jealous. They didn't, they passed the, t- the test. Says the Chadush Arim, something beautiful. Says, why all of a sudden did Yosef and the Shvatim all of a sudden decide to drink wine after so many years? Why did they stop drinking wine? Because of the sale of Yosef. What was the sale of Yosef? A sin of jealousy. Why now did they decide to drink it? Because they saw now all of a sudden that they weren't jealous of Benjamin. So they saw that they overcame their, their test. They passed their test. Now we could go back to drinking. You know, L'chaim, let's enjoy. This is where it comes all back in. So now we see over here that Yosef, so far so good? Okay, just not. Okay, Yosef goes, and he was laying the foundation over here. The Shvatim, he tells him to go bring Binyamin when? Or specifically on the second Galut. Why? Because this is the Galut of Madai. We need Binyamin over here. Why Binyamin? Because Mordechai and Esther come from Binyamin. And what happened? Yosef specifically tested them in front of everybody. Let's see if you're going to be jealous again. And when he saw that they weren't jealous over then, ah, now they could go and drink. Now they could go and celebrate the holiday of Fulim. Because now they will be able to go and overcome the, um, the, the, the decree of Haman in Ahasuerus. Now, okay. So now with that introduction... Let's try to go and understand something very, very beautifully. How are we doing? Okay. So what was the problem with Haman? Oh, okay. I'm not... Okay, well, let's restart that. <laughs> Many problems with that. Why did I, What was one of the reasons that Haman hated the Jews? So, Esav had a son, Eliphaz. Eliphaz had a son, Amalek. Amalek, from Amalek came Agag. From Agag came Haman. Haman is a direct descendant from Esav. And Haman had a very, very particular problem with the Jewish people, says the Targum. He says, what was Haman bothered? Haman was bothered that his ancestor, Esav, had the Bechorah, had the firstborn, and they were, he was supposed to get the blessing, but Yaakov took it. And Yaakov, the Jewish nation, which represents the Jewish nation, took his blessing. He's not happy about it. We see this in Genesis chapter 25, verse 30, when Esav comes to Yaakov and says, Haliteni na min ha'adom. He says, give me whatever this red thing that you're, that you're making, this lentils, you know, give it to me. Says the Targum, Haliteni na min. You take those first, the acronym of those things is Haliteni is hey, na is nun, min is man, they spell Haman. Haman is over here already planted in this, you know, in this, in this story. Says the Pasuk in Genesis chapter 27 verse 40. When the Jewish nation goes, Rashi explains, when the Jewish nation goes and they don't follow in the ways of the Torah, then the blessing that went to Yaakov could actually go back to Esav. That's when the Jewish nations don't follow the Torah. So what happens over here? Purim, Haman goes in Estelle chapter 3 verse 8. There's one nation that's not united. They're not following in the ways of the Torah. If they're not following us in the ways of the Torah, there's no achtut. There's no achtut. We can get the blessings. We can get the blessing that my ancestor lost to, to their ancestors. So the brachot should really go to who? They should really go to Esav. And which is, uh, you know, by, by default, it goes to uh, Haman as well. Now, when we go look at the Vilna and bring something beautifully down over here. Adam Rishon ate from the tree, right? He ate from the etzadas. Now what happened? He says, you know, God tells him, what happened? Why did you eat from the etzadas? No, it was me, it was my wife. You know, my wife made me eat from the tree. And then it goes, the wife, it was, no, it was the nachash, it was the snake that made me eat from the tree. And what happened? There was, a, there was a slew of curses that happened to each and every single one of them to go because of the sin that they did. The earth was also, also cursed. The earth was cursed. The earth was cursed. If you look, the, the curses that, that was, that was uh, given, that was, that was received, was ten curses. So the Vilna going something amazing. 
Let's look at the blessing that Yitzchak gave Yaakov. You look, want to look at it? It's a Belashit chapter 27, verse 28 and 29. It's, it starts off with God saying, I'm gonna, with Yitzchak giving the blessing that I'm going to give you from the, from the fatness of the, of the ground. Says the Vilna Gon, how many blessings are there in this, in this bacha from Yitzchak to Yaakov? Says the Vildagon, there are ten blessings. How many curses are there that Adam received? There was ten curses. Ten blessings corresponding to the ten curses. And you, know, you go look at there, you see over there, for example, one of the first one is Ahu Adama, the ground is going to be cursed. What is the first blessing? Umishmane Alex, from the fat of the land, is going to be, you're going to be blessed. There's also a curse that, uh, the kates, there's going to be thorns that are going to come up from your, from your vineyards, from your plantings. And what's the blessing of Yitzchak? You'll have abundance of grain over here. There was ten curses. Ten blessings, each one corresponding one, says the Vilna Gon. But when does this happen? Only when the Jewish people follow the Torah. If the Jewish people don't follow the Torah, it reverts back to a, it can revert back to Esau. Now, we have to figure out, how did Yaakov get this blessing? How did Yaakov get the Baha? We know that originally, it was intended for, for Esau. So what happened over here? Rivka overheard Yitzchak call Esau over and he said, go hunt for me. Go, why? Because I want to go and give you a, a, a you know, my blessings. So Esav went, and he went to go hunting. Meanwhile, Rivka went, she took an article of clothing from Esav, gave it to Yaakov, and Yaakov went, and he got the blessing. The question is, why is, why is Rivka meddling? You know, like, why is she meddling into the brother's uh, business? Obviously, she was a mother. But there's something very, very important why she was meddling. There's a very, very fascinating concept that Rivka was a Gilgul of Chava. Yaakov, a Gilgul is reincarnation. Uh, Rivka was a reincarnation of Chava. Yaakov was a reincarnation of Adam. Esav was a reincarnation of the Nachash, of the snake. Now what happened over here? Listen beautifully. Chava caused Adam, she gave him from the fruit. Remember we started off and said she gave him from the fruit and she gave him to eat. So Adam was caused by Chava to lose his blessing, which was who? So Adam, which is now Yaakov, and Chava, which is now Rivka, they have to go revert everything back. So because Chava made Adam lose the blessing, now Rivka, who is Chava, has to go to get the blessing back to Adam. That who was it stolen? Who was it? Who was the fault of this? The Nachash, which was Esav. But how was this all done? Through trickery. The Nachash was very tricked, right? He pushed her in. He says, ah, he was tricking her. He says, ah, you did it through trickery. We're going to have to get it back through trickery. Everything is midah, connected midah. Everything goes beautifully into it. Now, how did Yaakov get the Bacha? Yaakov went and he dressed up as Esav. But did he need to really dress up as a saf? The answer is no, because he bought the bechua. Right and clear, he has a contract. He bought the bechua, it really belonged to him. But now that he bought the bechua, something very fascinating happened. We know that there was two girls that were intended for two boys. You had Leah, which was the firstborn, intended for Esav, which was the firstborn. You have Rachel, which is the secondborn, intended for Yaakov, which is the secondborn. But now that Yaakov went and he bought the bechua, and now all of a sudden he is the firstborn, so now Leah is really intended for Yaakov. So what did Leah have to do? So because now that Yaakov bought the Bechorah, so now Leah had to dress up like Achel to go and get the because that's who she's intended for. And because Leah says, listen, the package deal, you know, I'm part of the Bechorah package. This is what I come with. So why did Yaakov need to go and dress up over here? Listen beautifully, because Esav dressed up like Yaakov. How did he dress up like Yaakov? He goes and he pretends to be a big tzaddik, worthy of the blessing. He says to, he says to his father, how do I give ma'asel on salt and, and, and straw, things that you don't need ma'asel? He's making himself all such a big tzaddik. He's pretending to be somebody that he's not. He's dressing up like somebody he's not. But even f- furthermore, he dressed up also in Nimrod's clothing. What's Nimrod's clothing? Listen to this, something very beautiful. Adam and Chavam, they went and they were created, we said, without any clothing. 
Then they did a sin. They felt embarrassed. They created some, some makeshift clothing. But then God said, you know what? Let me make you an article of clothing. So God made Adam and Chava an article of clothing. What type of clothing was this? So Midoshim tell us that it was from the, from the snake that it shed his, the first snake leather clothing. From the snake that it shed its skin, that God made Adam and Chava, made them, made them uh, you know, an article of clothing. This was very treasured by Adam and Chava, so much so that this was such a powerful article of clothing. You're talking about a designer. This is God who designed this, uh, this, this clothing. That o- when an animal saw this article of clothing, it all subdued them. It all, they, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, like it overpowered them. So Adam and Chava had this article of clothing. They took very good care of it. Adam went and gave it to his son Shays. Shays went and he gave it to Mesushalach. Mesushalach went and gave it to Noach. Noach had a son Ham who stole it from, from Noach. And then Noach, the, the, Noach's son Ham went and he took this article of clothing and he gave it to Nimrod. Now what happened? Esav saw this article of clothing. He wanted this article of clothing. He went and he killed Nimrod and he stole the article of clothing from, from who? From, uh, from Nimrod. Says the Midrash Tanhuma. What was this article of clothing? What's so special about this article of clothing? This article of clothing is a clothing from the Kohen Gadol. Says the Midrash. That's what it's called. But the problem is over here, who does the Kuhuna belong to? Yaakov purchased it. It's not, doesn't belong to Esav. Esav stole it. It didn't belong to him. He stole it. It didn't, it wasn't his. So Rivka says, this doesn't belong to you, Esav. This belongs to Yaakov. She took it and she gave it back to, uh, to, to a Yaakov who's the rightful owner of this. So, we see over here that everything is switching back to the correctful place. Chava lost the blessing from Adam. So now Rivka, who is Chava, comes back and gives Yaakov, who is Adam, the blessing that was taken away by the Nachash. Now, let's look at Achash Verosh. Achash Verosh comes dressed up as what? He comes dressed up as a Kohen Gadol, saying, Ah, the Bechorah belongs to us, belongs to Haman, it belongs to our, our side, not to your side. And he comes and he says, the Jewish people don't deserve it. Why? Because they're not following the Torah. That's why he orchestrated this entire, this, 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 this crazy party that he did. Now what happened over here? Achashverosh made this party. Let's try to understand what this party was what of, specifically of wine. Wine, we know what was, what, one of the opinions, what was the etzadas? It was grapes. It was grapes. He was trying to invoke the first sin also of Adam of, and, and Chavat. You guys are so far with me? Yeah, everyone nod. Okay, good. So, so now, let's look at the first, at the first sin. Now, why did Chava eat from the tree? The, the, the Pasuk in Bereshit, chapter 3, verse 5, says it over here that what did the Nachash tell Chava? It says, that God knows, when you go and you eat from this tree, your eyes are going to be opened up and you're going to know between good and bad. So all of a sudden, Chava's saying, wait a minute. So if I eat, like God has something that I don't have, there's a sense of jealousy over here. I, I want that. Like why does he, God has something that I don't have. So Chava wanted it. So the sense, the essence, one of the essence of the sin of the first of the Etzadas was what? Was a sin of jealousy. So now, over here we know that when you do something, it passes on to your children. If you have a bad character trait, it passes on to your children. You have a good character trait, it passes on to your children. Chava, unfortunately, picked up a bad character trait of jealousy. Who does this pass over? To their children. You have Cain and Hevel. What happened over here? Cain went and killed Hevel because of what? Because of jealousy. The Koban, the twins, whichever way, you know, you know, you want to go into. But it doesn't matter. The concept is they had some jealousy going on over there. So it passed on over here. So now let's see where Haman comes into the picture. The Pasuk, the Gemara in Chulim, page 139b. It says, where do we know Haman in the Torah? We says the Gemara, you know where we know Haman in the Torah? In Bereshit, in Genesis, chapter 3, verse 11. It says, Hamina ate, when God told Adam, it says, did you eat from the tree? Hamin, Hamin is, hey, mem, nun. It's Haman. Haman is from the tree. That's where its essence comes from. The secret to Haman's personality is the secret to the tree. Says the Gemara, this is why something very interesting. What is the concept of jealousy? The concept of jealousy is you want something that you don't have. Haman 
had everything. He didn't have one thing. Mordechai bowing down to him. He wanted what he didn't have. Chava, Adam, they had everything. They didn't have one thing. They had the one problem that they had is that they couldn't eat from the etzadas and they wanted it. So the same sin that happened with Adam and with Chava happened all of a sudden passed on to Hamina Etz, Haman, which is from the tree saying that he wanted something that he couldn't have. So now, this is what Ahasuerus is trying to go and manipulate back over here. He's making, bringing the kahuna, saying it belongs to me. He's bringing back the etzadas, which is the grapes, and he's trying to make the party of the wine, making the juice sin fall again to the same sin that had happened, you know, you know, previously. So now, we see over here that Haman and Ahasuerus are bringing back up the jealousy of the sin of the sale of Yosef and of the etzadas. So because, now let's try thing. because of the sin of the etzadas, Haman, Adam and Chava had to be, needed to be dressed. What were they dressed? You look at the, the pasuk over there, kesonet. They were, they were dressed in kesonet, another kesonet possum, same words. They were dressed in kesonet. Adam took this clothing, gave it to Shetz, gave it to Mr. Shal, gave it to Noach, stole it by Ham, took it uh, and gave it to Nimrod, which stole it by Yosef, which eventually went back to Yaakov, is all the dressing, that this, the original dressing that, what, that came back from, uh, from Adam. Now, Yaakov needed to dress up like Esav. Why? Because Esav dressed up like Yaakov. Because he dressed up. He pretended to be Yaakov. He dressed up in something that Ksonis, this is, that doesn't belong to him. It belongs to, it belongs to Yaakov. So because now, that Yaakov bought the Bechua, now Rachel had to go and dress up like Leah. Because Leah dressed up like Rachel, so who was the firstborn? Ruven. But who was intended supposed to be the firstborn? Rachel's firstborn, which was who? Which was Yosef. So really, so, so Yaakov goes and he gives Yosef Ksonis, the same word, Ksonis passing. Says you should have been the firstborn. So he dresses up his son Yosef as the firstborn. But now the brother says, wait a minute, he's not the firstborn. They took the Ksodas Pasim and they dressed it up in blood. He says, this is not, so they, dressed, they took it and they dressed it up in blood. Now they dress it up in blood. Ah, you got the sin of the Etzadis, you got the sin of jealousy. We got to rewind, you got to go back to the original sin. So what happened over here? Now they have the sin of jealousy. Now all of a sudden Yosef has to go and has to test them for the sin of jealousy with the five articles of clothing with Binyamin. This is the reference of the Binyamin going back to Egypt. It says in Estel chapter 8 verse 15, Mordechai left a, he left, a, left a party, what, with five articles of clothing. Why? Because this is the corresponding, the five articles of clothing from Binyamin. Says the Vilna going something beautiful. It says more, when Mordechai went out with five different clothing, clo- articles of clothing, this is a fulfillment of the bracha that Yitzchak gave Yaakov. This is which bracha specifically in the pasuk in Bereshit chapter 27 verse 29. It says, You should be a master over your brothers and your mother's children should bow down to you. There's a fulfillment of the blessing that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov when Mordechai walked out from the, uh, you know, from the palace wearing these five articles of clothing. So now we see the bracha, the blessing that was originally lost by Adam and Chava is now all of a sudden came back because it was lost through Chava. Now it was given back through Rivka, which was Chava, to Adam, which was Yaakov, through Nachash, which was Esav. So far with me? Okay. So, okay. So what Mordechai was wearing was the exact same clothes? Not the exact same clothes. Hmm? Not same clothes, just a symbolization. Okay. Okay. We're, let's, let's try to wrap this up and then we'll try to explain it. I'm trying to go slow. I'm trying. It's really hard. Okay. So comes over here that we got the Baha back now, right? Because we had the Baha. Okay, let's do a quick recap, okay? I know, I need, I need like a, I need like whatever. I need those, I told you it's heavy. I warned you. <laughs> so, um, no, 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 no. Okay, it's intellectually heavy. So now, you have over here, I know, so um, the, Idea, but it's beautiful. No, even if you get a smidget of it, it's like, it's like ooh, right? So if you get a ten percent of this, it's really cool. So uh, it's really amazing. Cool, I have to. Okay, so now the 
you have over here, there was a blessing that was given by God to Adam. Adam went and Chava and the Nachash are all part of the sin that they lost these blessings. So because they lost these blessings, so now it somehow has to revert back, you know, how, how are they going to get it back? What was the reason that they lost a blessing? The reason that they lost a blessing was because of jealousy. So now comes many generations later, where Yitzchak is the next time you see blessing. Yitzchak is giving a blessing to, ya- to Yaakov. What was the blessing? The blessing corresponds to the same curses that, uh, that God gave Adam. There were ten curses, as the Vildagon corresponded to the ten blessings. So the ten things that was lost by Adam through Chava is now brought back through Chava, which is Rivka, to Adam, which is Yaakov. How was this done? Because, you know, you had the Nachash was instigated this entire thing. Nachash also over here, which is Esau, went and, and he uh, lost it. This is very, very important. The Jewish people need this Baha. But we said that when the Jewish people don't follow the Torah, then they reverts back. So until they were following Torah, it was very good. But all of a sudden comes Purim, the story of Purim. There's a nation that's spread out. There's no unity. Oh, there's no unity over here. This is going to go, there's going to be a problem over here. What is going to be the problem? The problem is the same problem that we had in Yosef. Yosef had the problem also of no unity. And what happened in the story of Yosef? They went and they had to go and, and you know, they, they're Solomon, they have to go to Egypt. There's so many things, there's so many exiles that we had to go through. So now to overcome all of that, we have to overcome the unity. But that's only when we have the unity. When we don't have the unity, we're in a problem. So Yosef went and he fixed the unity with who? With Binyamin. Mordechai and Estel come and they fix the unity with who? Mordechai and Estel. They fix the unity. Let's go and unite the entire Jewish, the entire Jewish nation. The goal over here is a goal of unity. There's a goal of achdut. Let's see what, what, how clothing comes into, in, into play in this. Clothing is something very interesting. Clothing combines. We have our body. Our body is a clothing for our soul. We have two opposites. The body, the physical and the spiritual, the body is able to combine that. The Kohen Gadol, which we were talking about over here, this article of clothing. Well, how many, how many articles of clothing does the Kohen Gadol wear? Eight, very good. So, uh, plus one, the kol. So, the eight. So, you have over here, um, eight articles of clothing. But something very interesting when you look at the number eight. So, the, the api kabbalah is easy and you can enjoy it. Um, say kabbalah. Oh, no, come on. Uh, so now, the number six represents the physical world. And it's very simple because there's six, there's six, you know, directions. You could, you know, there's front, to the sides, that's two and three, to the back, that's four, up and down, that's six. Right, six that's, represents the physical. That's why the number six has a little circle all the way on the bottom, right? Because the circle is on the bottom. You have seven is the focal point, which is you, which is why Shabbat. We're not going to get into that. I don't want to. Yeah. And then you have eight, which is something very interesting, which connects to the supernat, to the to the to the you know to the other world. What's the other world? That's nine already. Nine is the circle above. So you have nine, the circle above. That's the next world. You have six. That's this world. Seven is the focal point. Eight is what connects both. The top world and the lower world. Anybody who knows how to write the letter eight is two circles, right? Two circles. Why it's combining the top world and combining the small, the, the lower world. So you have over here the Kohen, which wears Shmone Begadim, wears eight articles of clothing. Why eight articles of clothing? What's the concept of, of the Bet HaMikdash? The Bet HaMikdash is a connection place between this world and the next world. It combines it. The Kohen Gadol wears the eight clothing because he's combining both worlds over here. The article, the, the concept over here of clothing is it combines. It takes things that are opposite and it can put things together over here. So we come over here 
And what are we, our goal? Our goal is to what? To get to the, to the Bet HaMikdash, to get to the third Bet HaMikdash, to get to Mashiach. What's Mashiach? Mashiach, you go back and you revert before the sin of Adam. What's before the sin of Adam? Well, you don't need any clothing, because before the sin of Adam, there was no need for clothing. How do we lose the Bet HaMikdash? Because we had Sinat Chinam, we had jealousy, we had hatred. Oh, now that we overcome that, now that we overcome, maybe we could say, put a little bit of a Chidush, throw it inside over here, the only, the only holiday that's gonna stay after, you know, Mashiach comes as Purim. So we have over here, this is because this is the holiday that's to be able to fix everything. You have over here, the Purim is the concept of Achtut. We lost everything because of disunity. We have Sinat Chinam. So we want over here, we want to bring ourselves back to the level before Adam Alishon sin. And what's that? At a place where we don't need to have a concept of who's clothing and what you're wearing and who cares. It's all nonsense. It's all, it's all not, you know, Narshka. That's where we're going and we're dressing up on Purim. This is something very interesting is why we also go and we drink on Purim. You think about it. We drink on Purim. Something on, on, until we go and we curse Haman, Mordechai and we bless Haman. When can you, you take any Jew, secular Jew, and be like, give him a thousand shots of the strongest whiskey or whatever it is. I want you to bless Hitler. Like, who's gonna, there's no matter how much a person drinks, I gonna go and be like, well, Hitler, you know, is like, you know, Mein Kampf, he's got a point. You know, like, you know, no one's gonna come in, no one in the right mind will be like, yeah, you know, like, let's bless Hitler, he was good. So why is it that Haman, which is the Hitler of the time, why is it that he should be, we should drink so much or we should get blessed? And the answer is, because what are we doing over here? The Etz Hadas is a, it's a tree that what? You know between good and bad. You know what's right and wrong. What are we doing? We're drinking. We're trying to bring ourselves back to a level before we knew what's good and bad. Before we know, hey, bless Haman, curse Mordechai, bless Mordechai, curse Haman, doesn't matter, who knows, we're going back, we're trying to revert to the place where we didn't have the sin of the Etzadas, we didn't have the knowledge between good and bad, this is where we're trying to bring ourselves back, this is the concept of drinking, this is the concept of, of why we go and we dress up, this is the concept of why we're doing Mishloch Manot, there's a concept over here very important, and that is a, a concept of, of unity, where we're trying to go and bring ourselves back. So now we can see why we go and we dress up. Now, by the way, there's no halakha, you're not required to dress up, okay? Just uh, put, put it out there. The Jewish people, they come from who? They come from Yaakov. Haman comes from Amalek, which comes from Esav. Ham- the, the story over here was Haman was very upset that Yaakov dressed up like Esav and took the bechua. So what do we do? We dress up saying, no, Yaakov was right. Why was Yaakov was right? Because Yaakov dressed up like Esav because Esav dressed up like Yaakov. And then if we want to take it a little further, that's why Rachel had to, that's why Leah had to go and dress up like Rachel. Because Adam made a sin, and Adam lost the, you know, the sin with an article of clothing. That article of clothing went all the way down to Esav, which to, was taken, you know, wrongfully. So now Yaakov had to get it back. But that, you know, was, was, was taken back through deceit, and that's why through the Nachash, which was Esav, and Yaakov, which was Adam, and Rivka, which was Chava, everything had to go and come into play over here. But where does all this come into play? All the way until we had the sin of Yosef. All of a we have the sin of Yosef, we're losing the blessing again. Now comes Mordechai and he gives, comes Mordechai, goes out with five articles of clothing corresponding to the Yosef, which is five articles of clothing. Why did Yosef give the five articles of clothing to correspond to the sin that they had of jealousy? You had a jealousy, says the Gemara on your page 86. Let's see if you're going to be able to go and you'll be able to overcome your sin of jealousy. How are you going to go over and overcome your sin of jealousy? The same sin that you did, the same situation, I'm going to put you in and let's see if you go and you pass it. The brothers were in a sin where they, a situation where they had one brother received more than the other brothers. All of a sudden they went and they overcame that temptation. They they overcame that desire. They didn't fall into sin over here. They did Shuvah. Now they could celebrate the holiday of Purim. Because why? Because now all of a sudden that they fixed this, now Mordechai, which comes from Binyamin, is going to be able to go and save us on the Purim because of what happened over here. Siman Avot, you know, Siman Avot. You have over here something so beautiful where it comes why Yosef had to go and give them the five articles of clothing. So that is reason number one. 
So let's go through a few other. Okay, okay, so now. <laughs> you have a question on that? No, I'm just. Okay. Yeah. So it was before, so that's a very, very heavy question. What happened before the time of the sin of the Etzadas? What did it mean that you, they didn't know between good and bad? They didn't know. Well, it bad. Right, so the difference is, in the simplest way that I could go and explain to you in the short period that I, time that I will allot for that, is that they had like an evil inclination which basically told them, you know, try to push them to do something, but it wasn't internal. It was external. So right now we have an evil inclination that's internal. So before the sin of the Etzadas, there was good and bad, but it was, you wouldn't sin, like, you wouldn't put your hand in fire. Like, why would you do that? You're like, you're not gonna get a suntan. You know, just don't do it. You're like, so that you would, just like you wouldn't do it, so like, you, you wouldn't do any sin. But like, now, the sin is internal, and be like, well, if I do, you know, you know how you have, you know, it's, it's much more internal. So they, they knew the difference between good and bad, but it was a completely different concept of what good and bad was. We get back, we, we, we drink to the point that there is no difference between good and bad. The real essence of why, uh, let's take it a step further, the real essence of why there's no difference between good and bad is because, you know, we started off saying that, um, that Purim is the first holiday that God was hidden. And, you know, beforehand, the Beth HaMikdash, God had a tremendous amount of miracles. God all of a sudden was hidden over here. How is it that God's hidden brings unity? Because the idea is that when someone does something to you, and it hurts you, and it bothers you, you're upset at that person. But when you take a step back and you think that God is hidden, God is manipulating everything, and if this person did something to me that hurt me, then yeah, this person was a messenger, but really it was because of God. Just like the story of Purim, you had so many things that look through natural occurrences, through natural events, but really, you know... God made it that Vashti is going to go and die. And then God made it that Estelle is going to become a queen. And then God made it that, that Haman is going to be hung. And then God made it that Mordecai is going to become the prime minister. You know, all these things had to happen that was through the, 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 it was hidden through nature. That's what comes in and how that is so beautiful in unity. When you, somebody does something bad to you, then you'd be like, okay, wait a minute. This is God through nature. The reason why this person, let's say, stole money from, person A stole money from person B is because God said that person B is going to lose money. Person A was a messenger. So it happened. But when you start realizing that, okay, this person did something bad to me, but ultimately it was decreed from God, then all of a sudden the, the hatred, the sinat chinam, the, the, the lack of unity is going to fall apart. Be like, okay, you know, he did something wrong and, you know, I'll follow the procedures that I need to do. But ultimately it wasn't him, it was a decree from God. So all this also comes back into a play where it brings all the achdut coming into it. There's another reason also, is that, uh, you know, we know Purim, whoever goes and collects charity, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to give them. Comes the, the, you know, the, the Chamiyam and say, if everybody goes and dresses up, then somebody goes and collects charity from you, you're not going to know who they are. You're not going to know who they are, they're not going to be embarrassed. They're not going to be embarrassed, they're going to be able to go and get, they're going to be able to go and get whatever they want. It would also go and, and achieve a level of unity amongst the, you know, the people as well. So, let's go through one final, very, very short, um, uh, you know, no, really very short, um, uh, you know, reason of why is it that we dress up as well. The Gemara Migila, page 12a. The students of Rabbi Shem Bayechai go over to Rabbi Shem Bayechai Ashbi and they say, Rabbi, why is it that the Jewish people were deserving of annihilation during the story of Purim? So Rabbi Shem Bayechai, like any good rabbi, says, you tell me the reason. Right? Only in a Jewish, uh, you, know, it, you know, thought process that was. So, the, cho- so the, the students go and they say, well, because the Jewish people participated in the feast of the party of so ask Rabbi Shem Bachai, if that's the case, then only the Jewish people of Shushan should have been destroyed. Why the, the entire, you know, the entire Jewish nation, the entire world destroyed? 
So they said, so you got us, so tell us why. So says that Rabbi Shem Bayechai, the reason why the Jewish people were decreed to go and be, you know, be destroyed, be annihilated, is because during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, they went and they bowed down to an idol. So says the students to the rabbi, Rabbi Shem Bayechai, says, Rabbi, I don't understand. That's not something that you could, you know, wishy-washy. It'd be like, okay, this is something bad. If they did that type of sin, yeah, like they went and they did a sin that was, that was, that they should have rather, you know, got killed rather than, than commit that sin of idolatry. Why did God save them? Says Rabbi Shem Bayechai, because when they went and they worshipped this, they bowed down to this idol, they didn't do it, they didn't really mean it. They did it outside, they, they, they bowed down to it. But internally, they didn't, they didn't have any connection to this idol, they, didn't, they knew it was nothing, and they didn't have any, any meaning to it. So, they, they bowed down to, to, to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, I don't know what it was, uh, what type of idol. No, 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 Nebuchadnezzar, before. So, says the B'nai why do we, what happened over here? So, just like the God went over here, and and measure for measure, the Jewish people pretended to go and serve idolatry, so God pretended to go and annihilate them. So just like God, it was a superficial costume that God put on, so we put on a superficial costume knowing the superficiality of it all. So this is another reason why we go and why we, um, you know, why we dress up. But the bottom line, the, the underlining reason, really is, this is a, a reason of unity, a reason of, of achdut. This is what we have to work on, on the story of, of, of Purim, and this is the holiday of Purim. It's a time when you look at the entire concept. When you go and you drink, you go and everybody becomes united. When you go and you give charity, you become united. You're giving somebody something, and be like, I care about you, my brother. Here, why don't you take some money? And you go over here, you read Megillah, you publicize that it's all from God. I'm going to go and I hide my face, meaning that everything is God. So even if somebody hurts you and harms you, it's all from God, it doesn't matter. Let's not go and and, and harm and fight against each other with the small stuff. It doesn't matter. It all comes from God. And finally, the concept of of uh, what is the mishloch manot? Right, mishloch manot is where you go and you give presents to your friends, saying, "I'm so happy that you're here." What's the what's the biggest mitzvah? You know, you give presents. You know, you give mishloch manot to who? To the people that you give every year, right? So the same fifty people or twenty people, you give the same. You know, like everyone's grunting now. You know, and then you leave. Really, why should the mishloch manot to people that you don't like? People that you had feuds with, that's who you should be giving the Mishlach Manot. That's what you should be doing, because the whole concept is unity, the whole concept of Zachdut. Now, if we have this concept of Zachdut, then we are going to go and we're going to fix the Sinat Chinam. But how, are we gonna, how did we end up in this Sinat Chinam? Let's do one quick circle, one quick, very quick circle. So, we had Adam, we had Chava. They had a blessing. We lost it through the, the, the act of jealousy. Then all of a sudden comes Yaakov, gets it back, through, you know, through, you know, Chava, which was uh, Rivka. But then they lost it again, circling back through the sin of jealousy, which was Yosef, when Yosef was sold by his brothers. So what happened now? So now they, they lost it. Yosef had to go, and he felt very responsible. He tried to go and manipulate the whole thing. So he went and he made Benjamin go in a situation where the other brothers will be jealous. But now he went and he gave them the, the, the you know, the five articles of clothing. They went, and now they, did, they didn't become jealous. All of a sudden the blessings came back. But what happened over here? All of a sudden, we go and we fast forward all the time to Purim. All the time, Purim, Haman is going to Hashem, let's try to figure out how to get this nation. Ah, I know how to get them, because we have a nation over here that's spread apart the entire world. They're not united. If they're not united, the blessings come back to us. Let's go and bring in the entire Jewish nation back over here. So just like Binyamin was very instrumental in the first, you know, the first uh, um, bringing the Bukhah back, to, bringing the blessing, I'm sorry, back. So too over here, you have Mordechai and Estelle comes from Binyamin, comes, go and brings 
back the blessing over here. This is why we could say maybe that the, during the time of the Mashiach, we're going to have over here, what we're going to revert back to the sin before Adam Rishon, which is a sin we, before we did, there was no need for clothing, there's no need between good and bad. We have over here, what is this? Through Achtut. Where is it we get the Achtut? We get Achtut through this entire concept of the Holiday of Purim. Maybe that's why the Holiday of Purim, we could say one of the reasons is going to stay over here during the time of when Mashiach comes. Okay. No questions. Very good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a question, not on logistics. Um, more like, what does it mean that they weren't unified during prayer just because they were all living in different places or because they, they were like having to sin out the to what extent of the sin of them, I don't know. The, the, the Megillah tells us that they were, was they were spread out. And our sages tell us this means that they weren't united. Meaning they're spread out just like geographically? Or they're spread Ge- out? Well, Meaning the rabbis are not going to care and be like, well, they're not in the same zip code. So, <laughs> you know, like, no, when it means spread out, it might mean also geographically, logistically, they were spread out. But ultimately, where they were spread out was internally. They were spread so out internally. Compared to like, let's say now, like with the unity, is it, not, is it at the same level as it was before then? Uh, obviously not, because if we had the level of unity, we have the Beit Hamikdash. Right now, I'm saying, would you compare it to there? Like, oh, to that, I don't yeah, know. I can to, to say that's why we're the same. I'm not God who could start saying, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Where we are, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. So, right, the way to overcome jealousy, uh, well, there's many ways, but one of the, there's humility, but one of the, one of the I think, the more easier ways uh, to overcome jealousy, I guess maybe a quicker fix, is going and praying for people to be more successful. So let's say you see somebody who has something that you don't have, in your mind, give them a blessing, oh, I hope that they have even more. So what happens over here? So all of a sudden, internally, you're not going to be jealous. going to be like, I'm so happy because I want them to have more. Even if you don't mean it. So, even if you don't mean it. What can I tell you? I mean, like, yeah, you got you to you gotta try. Prayers work even if you don't mean it. Right? Right. Right. This is also the concept of trying to overcome evil eye, which is also, kind of, you know... We didn't get into it because if I throw that into the wrench, forget about it. So, but but the, you know, evil eye is also the same concept of jealousy. It's how come he has it and I don't? But if you realize that everything is from God, and you realize that I'm all hidden and I'm giving everybody to everything, then you're not going to have an evil eye. You're not going to have an evil eye. You're not, it's not going to result in jealousy. You're not going to have jealousy. You're not going to have any sinaf You're not going to have any sinaf Mashiach is here. Like, Mashiach, like, Mashiach. You like feel the jealousy and they're like, oh, okay, no, no, they should have good things. Right. So yeah, sometimes you have to overcome it. You have to overcome it. I'm saying it's. Yeah, people have it for different... There are some people that are more prone to jealousy than other people. And it doesn't mean that they don't have anything. There's some, it depends on, on your nature and how people you are, are you know... It's, yeah, it also depends on your previous Gilgul. There's so many different factors that come into it, but it's something that everybody needs to work on. Does it help if you give Saka in the morning? Or like sitting in the house and praying for like yeah, of course. a certain family or yeah. a certain yeah. Pray, yeah, you got to internalize it. you got to really try to work yourself and be happy for somebody else. Because um, jealousy comes where you're not happy for somebody else, so it's it's, it's a work, it's a progress. Another a- aspect is to work on humility. Humility also goes and and helps in that, but it's a little bit in the other way, but it helps it. Right. Right. If they don't respond back, yeah. Huge, 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 huge. I don't know why I said that so many times. Okay, three times. Yeah. And she had to 
whole situation happened to get the bracha back? Did she know what she was doing? Or is that just like a cool coincidence that we put together? To the level of what you know, you're talking about. She did have Ruach Hakodesh, but did so. Pashtas, I would probably say, yeah. The there are, you know, you have, if I'm not mistaken, the Abderav knew who he was in a previous reincarnation. So there's some people that know who they are in previous reincarnation, but again, it's a level that you you reach it. I like, you know, like, you know, I was probably a sailor, you know, like, like, you know, like somebody like, you know, like a big holy rabbi. There's certain rabbis that that were able to connect on high. They were able to know where they are. Generally, we don't know. You look at our result. You know. Again, is it say anywhere that she knew that she was really Chava? That, does she know all the things? I don't know. But, but when you learn about this concept, you could say it, it would be probable. I wouldn't be surprised if she would know about it at all. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, there are. There is a concept that yeah, there were all the the way that it works in Gilgulim is that there are sparks. There's called nitzotzot. There, so there are um, parts of the soul that could come back as a reincarnation. And yes, there's there's a concept that the imahot came back as from from Chava. So, so Rivka was not alive when, when they Rivka could. No, they could be. They could be alive. That's why I said nitzotzot. There were sparks, not full full on uh, souls. Like so, split. yeah. Talking about there's like a there's a soul. So technically speaking, not to get too Kabbalistic, but we come from Adam Kadmon. We come from um, Adam, and every that that soul sort of split into six hundred thousand different souls, and that's all kept on splitting. So there's parts of it. Think of it like you have a full cup of water. So there's one cup of water, a little bit for you, a little bit for you, a little bit for you. So this same cup of water, which was originally let's say Adam, now went to a few different a few different places. It was a splitting. It was called a spark of a soul. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. yeah. You said that um, um, when we left Egypt, it corresponds to the four galus that we're now. So does that mean that, like, in a way, like this galus, we left it already? Because not now, but I'm saying in like you're talking about Adam. Right now, we're in the Adam. We left Egypt, so and you said that that's like a culmination of all four. So Which means that eventually we're still in the fourth one. So eventually we're going to leave it just like we left there. Yeah. 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 So it corresponds, but we didn't leave yet because we're still in the exile. When we leave is when we have the Beth Amigdash Mashiach. We, right, we know that it's going to happen also because of that, yeah. Meaning mm-hmm. living to earth, so. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Are going to have the Galut Yishmael? Galut Yishmael is incorporated into the Galut of Esav, which is, so it's, uh, it's like, yeah, it's combined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two feet of one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, that wasn't really a qu- an answer, Bill. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, you're right on target. So the way that it works with the evil eye is like this. Um, that evil eye is uh, very real. That the reason how, the, the way that it works is that if you go and you look at somebody else and you see that somebody else has something that you don't and you say, why does that person have it and I don't have it? 
Now pay very close attention to the vernacular that I use. Why does that person have it and I don't have it? So what happens is that you have an angel and this person that has something that you don't have also has an angel and it corresponds in heaven. All of a sudden your angel is going to the other person and be like, yeah, why does your dude have it and my dude doesn't have it? I probably don't use it. I'm paraphrasing, right? So there he's going to be like, oh, so let's see if this person is worthy of having this type of blessing. So they go into this, uh, to this person that has a blessing. They open up his book. Does he deserve or she deserve what she has? So an evil eye basically causes the other person to get an audit. They do. But sometimes, you know, God is merciful. And so God says, God says, you know, you get this. That's why you have the way, how does evil eye work? So let's say somebody goes and buys a beautiful car. Another person goes and says, well, how come this person has this beautiful car and I don't? So all of a sudden the angels are, you know, going through this judgment case. Do they deserve it? Why do they deserve it? So they go and they open up and be like, you know what? He kind of doesn't deserve it. You know what? Let's get him, a, let someone key him. And someone comes in and designs, you know, Shaniqua was here and on the door. And all of a sudden, be like, oh, why did this happen? It could be associated with the evil eye that, that, that came upon because of that person. The way that evil eye works is not like, oh, that's a nice car that's really cool. I would like to have something like that. Evil eye is why does she have it or he has it and I don't. That's an evil eye. It's a specific concept of thought. The angels are not deciding. They're opening up an audit, looking into the books. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it's there's din and there's a you know there's like if if it's if if something has to be changed over here, then it has to be changed over here. But it wouldn't have been changed if someone was jealous. It wouldn't have been changed. You're saying the, the reason why it's happening is because someone. Got no, so God, so God allowed it to happen. So you look at there's a gemara, I believe it's Bab Metziah that goes and says that um, they went to a cemetery and they said, how many of people here died because of an evil eye? And I believe it was Rava. And they came out that it was 99% of the people died because of evil eye. Now the Chazon Ish, the easiest way to explain the evil eye, I think the Chazon Ish goes and explains this beautifully. The Chazon Ish goes and says, I don't understand, how is it that everybody died from evil eye? So what are we doing on Rosh Hashanah? Every Rosh Hashanah, let's just, just pray, save me from the evil eye. That's it. You know, why do we have to worry about everything else? So the Chazon Ish goes and explains, there are, on, on Rosh Hashanah there are certain categories. If somebody goes and is somewhat, let's, Let's make it simpler so we speak about life and death. If God decrees on Rosh Hashanah this person is going to live out this life, this year, then a person could put an evil eye from today until tomorrow and nothing's going to happen. If a person can go and gets a decree from God on Rosh Hashanah that this person is supposed to die this year, so he could, person could die through an evil eye. An evil eye could be a cause of death for this person. But then the Chazonish, yeah, this is the, the extra, this is like the most important part. So the Chazonish goes and says, that's not so scary if you think about it until now. Okay, so when does the evil eye affect me? If I'm supposed to get punished, then I'll get punished either way. But says the there are certain categories where a person, where the book is left open. God doesn't, you know, put exactly what's going to be over here. So there's some people that their book is left open. Are they going to live this year or are they going to die? Well, let's see. Let's see how this is going to work out. If the person is worthy, he's going to live. If he's not going to worthy, he's going to die. An evil eye can affect this type of person. This type of person whose books are open, this person could go and now be, uh, you know, be sentenced to death because of an evil eye. And says the Chazonish, because we don't know where we're holding, if we have the book that was, you know, promised for life, promised for death, or promised open, so we have to be worried about an evil eye. So evil eye does have a concept of here. The Bob Trebbe, you know, is on the, on the, you know, the idea that you don't think about evil eye, you don't worry about evil eye, you leave it and it's not going to bother you. But the general, you know, idea is that, you know, the evil eye is a real thing and you have to be careful in it. You want to know how to, the best way to overcome evil eye is if you don't give an evil eye on anybody else, 
nobody can give an evil eye on you. So if you go, this is where it's very important, circling back to Adam HaRishon, if you go and you're not jealous of anybody else, which is the source of evil eyes, so you don't give an evil eye on everybody else, so when all of a sudden, let's say you get a brand new car, a brand new house, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, somebody's driving past by and says, oh, how come she got this beautiful thing and I didn't get it? So, oh, the angels are coming back over here, oh, how come she got it? But then, all of a sudden, the angel has a, a shield, and he's like, bing, you know, like, deflect the evil eye. Why? They're like, my person never, ever, ever, ever gave an evil eye on everybody else, and anybody else. Meaning that she never caused somebody else's books to be open. Measure for measure, now you can't cause her books to be open. So the, way, the best way to protect against evil eye is you don't give an evil eye on anybody else. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't follow the, the thought process you know, behind that. I've done research on this and I've learned this you know, the, the concept. But there is, there is a, you know, they, they quote it from the Gemara Pesachim, but whatever it is, you know, it was difficult for me to understand. The general, you know, understanding is is that there is an evil eye, and the way that you want to go and you protect yourself from it is don't give an evil eye on anybody else. You don't. So, no, no, you could. The lead thing, there is, there is a peacock ball, there is. I mean, you wrap yourself with red strings. It's not going to deflect it. I'll tell you that much. Right. You should be humble. Exactly. A certain. Yeah. You're right. There are certain neighborhoods, the people that live in these neighborhoods, um, they put the speakers on the outside of the cars. You know, not to... You ever saw those people ride a bikes with a boombox? Yeah, they put it in the front. They didn't know, they, I don't know, they didn't realize that there's headphones, but um, they go over here and they're, they're driving their bike, whatever, their car, you know, the lights on the bottom and the rims and the... I don't even know the terminology. The the, they got the wings that they, they didn't want to fly and take off. So they have all this stuff that they, you know, they souped up their, their car over here. So basically is what they're doing when they're driving and, and basically making all the car alarms and the people that are dead wake up uh, with their muffler and whatnot. So they're driving down the street over there. They're like, evil eye this way, guys. Right over here. Yeah, why don't you look at this? And, you know, it's very unfortunate. People go, and this is more common in, in women, unfortunately, where... A woman goes to another woman, oh, I'm so jealous. Really? That's so nice. Oh, thank you. You know, like, why would you, like, the people feel good to be like, oh, you're jealous of me. Like, I think, yeah, like, no. Yeah, yeah, I put you higher, but I'm saying, like, I'm saying, but yeah, I understand the psychology behind it, but it's, when you think about the spiritual concept behind it, be like, that's bad. That's like, you know, like, don't make somebody cause it. I'll get you first. You had a question? They don't realize. Right. Some people are mean and they don't realize it. It doesn't mean that they don't have to work on it. People have a lot of character traits they need to work on. People are not connected to Torah. They're not learning Torah. They're not listening to Shurim. They're not trying to learn Sparim. They're not working on themselves. What hope can you be? It's like somebody who goes and be like, I'm going to one day be a great psychologist, but never opens up the book. Like, how can you be a great human if you don't open up the book of God told you how to be a great human? That's in the Torah. If you're not going to learn it, then how can you expect to be a good spouse, a good you know, mother, a good father, a good child? What, there's so many things over here you have to learn. How else are you going to be that? So, Retract. Could they, could they uh, close that book? Technically, that's like, think, of it, think of it as like, a, no, think of it like chuba. Uh, any concept of chuba, you could fix it. So if you are, not you, if somebody was a person that was very jealous, right? Every time they were just like, evil eye, evil eye, you know, like, and laser beams just like fly out of their eyes, like evil eye everywhere. And that's what the type of person, so they could do chuba. They go chuba and they go and they work on themselves and they, and they correct, the, you know, the, the sins that they, that they have completed. Then, yeah, they go, then they could, they could fix it. And 
we daven every day. We, we, we pray every day in Bachot. We pray for these, uh, you know, for the Savior, uh, for, to be saved from evil eye. So yeah, we do. You go to Kabbalah, you pay them a lot of money, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, you, you know, don't. Um, the best way is, yes, to do tshuva on, every, on anybody that you are jealous about and start realizing. The, the underlying concept here is really emunah. When you work on emunah and you realize that everything's from God, then you're not going to be jealous. So it's fixing that default. So if you are jealous of somebody, you start pray- if, let's say you have somebody that you... You have such a love for them that it turns into hatred. Um, and uh, unfortunately, so that type of person, you go and you pray for that person. And you start praying and praying that you just want success. And you, eventually it'll turn real. In the beginning, you'd be like, yeah, I hope this person is going to go and be very successful. And you're like, nah. You know, like, be like cross my fingers. No, wrong religion. Whatever it is, but you're going to go and you're going to eventually not feel committed to it. But as you go on, eventually it'll stick in. Yes. complimented a person and then like his he like spilled a cup of water and then like she complimented me on my shirt let's say and like the bottle fell so like I I didn't even realize my friend was like she has an evil eye like what is that (laughs) yeah and uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it is it possible yeah people do have an evil eye there is a there is idea with compliments that um, after compliments you're supposed to give a blessing right away should we do a topic of evil over here? I mean, we can do it. I mean, I've given it before years ago, but... Okay, we can do it. Now. What? I did, yeah. I'm saying if you guys want it, I could give it a class. Yeah, what do you mean, blessing? you have a paper? Well, I could just do it next week if you guys want. I mean, it doesn't... Uh, um, well, we'll, we'll, make a, we'll make a poll after this off-camera. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Evil eye is booming now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook should be just called Evil Eye One, Evil Eye Two Point Evil Eye This. Oh, one hundred percent. Stay away from social media, if you can. There is, yeah, there is. It depends who does it, but yeah, there is. Yeah. There is, there is a concept of light to remove evil eye, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I just gave half the class of evil eye, but whatever. Okay, any other questions on this topic? No? Okay, Chazakubo. Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.